Hey guys, it's Dr. Delvina, board certified psychiatrist in South Florida. Are you ready to take the couch? Hey, all right, y'all. It's Sunday night again, and it's time for another episode of the Brain Love Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Delvina, and tonight I have a very special guest for you. Miss Jessica Penn is coming on to talk about her experiences with labiaplasty, aka vaginal rejuvenation, at the age of 18. If you were watching Therapy Thursday on Thursday night when I was live with Miss Jessica Penn on my YouTube channel, Dr. Delvina Thomas, or on the Facebook page, Dr. Delvina, you saw that we had a an extensive discussion about the vulva as well as all of the parts of the vulva, okay? So the vagina, which of course we know is the orifice, the hole where people place their penis, right? But then there's these other areas of the vulva which are identified as the lips, we call these areas labia majora and labia minora. So tonight, I'm talking with Miss Jessica Penn, and she will go into detail about her experience and how a surgeon surgically removed her labia minora, which are those inner lips, as well as the hood of her clitoris. All right, y'all. So come on in and take the couch. All righty, guys, as I told you, I have back on my podcast, The Brain Love Podcast, here on all uh, podcast platforms, Miss Jessica Penn. Welcome. Welcome back. Hi. Thanks for having Hi. me. Of course. Absolutely. Everyone needs to hear about, um, about your personal story as it relates to the vulva, as I told my listeners, guys, we are talking about something very heavy, very essential, very, very needed in all of our communities. We don't talk enough about the female genitalia, um, the vulva, aka vagina, for most folks who don't know it as the vulva. And so, Ms. Penn, before I ask you to explain the difference between saying vagina and vulva, First, I'd like folks to know a little bit about who you are. So give me just a few moments to share that Ms. Penn is a medical researcher and influencer. She advocates for better coverage of vulvar anatomy and medical literature and better patient education. Her background is in biomedical engineering from Washington University. So the way that uh, Ms. Penn and I linked is that I, I saw something, somehow I got connected to you, Ms. Penn, on Instagram. I went to your page and I started going through your page and I was intrigued. Um, and so, you know, I reached out to you and you uh, wrote back to me and said that when you were 18, you underwent a severely botched labiaplasty and that by the end of college, you'd done enough research into what happened to conclude systemic neglect of vulvar anatomy and female sexual function, as well as lack of training standards for labiaplasty were the main causes. So guys, we're basically about to have a conversation about uh, the, vul the vulvar area for women, obviously, aka vagina, the labia, labia major, labia minor, and the clitoris. So without further delay, Welcome, Ms. Penn. Hi. Now, you've published an anatomic study in a plastic surgery journal, and you've uh, been able to get three OB-GYN textbooks changed. You've also gotten through to authors and editors of 13 more textbooks in urology, urogynecology, gynecology, general anatomy, and plastic surgery. Um, and you state that you expect to see improvements in upcoming editions. Bravo. Thank you for doing that. Thanks. So talk to us about, um, well, so first let's, let's, let's tackle this first question. Why vulva and not vagina? Um, because vagina is just the word for the cavity. Um, the vulva is everything external. And I think that when we call the entirety of female genitals vaginas, it causes us to conceptualize female genitals as internal and 
this leads to a sort of linguistic denial of everything, or at least of the body parts that give women the most pleasure, right? Um, it's sort of a linguistic denial of the clitoris, a denial of the labia, and I think it leads to insecurity because I think a lot of girls grow up thinking that their genitals are supposed to be invisible. When that's not true, it's totally normal to have visible labia minora. Um, there's nothing weird or ugly about having genitals that show. <laughs> so I think that that's why it's really important to name those parts and to accept those parts. And I think that um, it also helps women ask for what they want in bed, you know, when there's less shame surrounding female external genital anatomy. Um, actually, just today I saw a tweet from Dr. Lori Nintz. Um, she is a, I forget, are you familiar? I think, I think she's a psychologist, but she's an expert on the clitoris. <laughs> Um, and oh, I have to look her up. Well, she's written a book called Becoming Cliterate. And she's an expert more from a practical standpoint of encouraging women to, you know, be more vocal about wanting their clitorises stimulated. And she cited a study that said women tend to feel like they're being pushy when they ask for clitoral stimulation, even though that's what most women need. Hmm. So let's back up a little bit. And yeah, we're going to get into this clitoral stimulation and clitoral dialogue and discussion. But so remember last night or Thursday night, I posted uh, a picture of the anatomy of the vulva. And we kind of went through it and we described what you'll see when you're looking at a, at, at a female, at a woman's uh, genital area. So let's talk about that. Um, when you, you just described that women have external sex organs, we have external um, areas that, uh, that should not be ignored and that we should, uh, we should acknowledge. So let's start first. Let's start at the top. Let's start at the top. So let's start externally at the top with what people call the lips. Uh, guys, so what you call the lips in medical uh, lingo, we call the labia majora. So those are the um, thicker external folds to the vulva. It's uh, for protection. Um, and, you know, most women have hair if they haven't waxed or shaved or um, done, e done anything to remove the hair there. But those labia majora, people call lips. And then, of course, there's a second set of lips that are termed labia minora. So um, Jessica, if you would please describe the vulva for the listeners. Oh, well, basically, um, well, you were doing great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, basically all these, the labia majora and labia minora come in all different shapes and sizes, right? Well, maybe not that many different shapes, but you know, yeah, no, I, I, no, I think you're correct. It comes different shapes and sizes because, you know, they don't all look alike. Yeah. There's a lot of variation. Yeah. And there's a lot of variation, even in the size of the labia majora. Mm -hmm. And some women get insecure about the labia majora being too big. And another one thing that causes the labia minora to show is when the labia majora are small but there's nothing wrong with any of these different variations. Um, it's totally normal. Also, the labia minora, they can be very small, like maybe only half a centimeter long, or they can be, you know, four centimeters long, and it's all normal. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, the clitoris is part of the vulva. Um, <laughs> Everything that you see externally is the vulva. Um, and the clitoris is covered by the clitoral hood. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. You, you pretty much covered it all. You, you know, we, we won't go into the perineum and the anus and stuff like that because that's not really... Um, the perineum is a part of the vulva, of course, but the anus is not. But yeah, so you covered it. Um, the anus is the anus. <laughs> The anus is the anus. 
So the inner and outer lips, that's what we were discussing. Um, also the clitoris, because um, Jessica, you'll talk to the listeners about your personal story, uh, what happened to you at the ages of 17, 18, um, how that uh, situation unfolded. Um, so guys, uh, hopefully you have a depiction of what we're talking about here. Think about if you're a male listening, think about, uh, see if you can Google or pull up a picture of the anatomy of the vulva and, and take a look because most men, uh, well, I shouldn't say most men, some men, I'll say some men are not aware of the magic that can be uh, produced by paying a little attention to the clitoris. That's a very important um, part of the woman's genitalia and her and her sexuality, part of her sexuality and her uh, sexual enjoyment. So, um, Jessica, can you talk to the listeners about your situation from age seventeen? When I was seventeen, I didn't know at all what vulvas were supposed to look like, and I didn't have any insecurities at first, but I didn't know anything about what the clitoris was and people were talking about it. So I got online and I started Googling and that's when I learned the term vulva and also labia minora. And so I go Googled those terms as well. And when I Googled labia minora, a bunch of information came up about labiaplasty surgery, which is surgery to reduce the labia minora. And I read that protruding labia minora are considered quote-unquote unfeminine and embarrassing. I read this on surgeons' websites. Um, you so also, say that again? You read what? I read that protruding labia minora, labia minora that stick out beyond the labia majora, are considered quote-unquote unfeminine and embarrassing. Wow. So but you read that the inner lips extending outside of the outer lips is considered, say that again. Unfeminine and embarrassing. Oh. Statements like this continue to get published in medical literature and on many surgeons' websites. Um, they talk about it as if it's just a given, but that's not considered attractive, even though there's really no evidence that shows that there's any actual beauty standard. This is just something that people have been able to exploit to make money, in, in my opinion. Um, wow. I, I also think, well, there have been some myths about large labia minora being caused by sexual activity. That's a myth. Right. <laughs> it's in the 19th century. Um, they saw large labia minora as indicative of excess female sexual desire, as if that was a bad thing. <laughs> Nowadays, I think it's seen as a good thing. Women want to increase their desire. Right. Um, and not be shamed because of it. Exactly. Like, we we want to enjoy our bodies too. Um, yeah, I also read that large labia minora could be caused by excess androgens, which is not true. Um, and aging, which there is no evidence for. In fact, in studies of labia minora size, they've only found an inverse correlation between age and labia minora length. Um, that's not to say that maybe some women don't have their labia minora get stretched during pregnancy, but overall, no correlation has been established. And so it kind of just seems. Uh, my understanding from medical school, if I recollect correctly, is that the labia majora with aging actually those areas can atrophy, they get smaller, not enlarging. Um, and so the effects of testosterone on the vulva is that in utero, when a woman is pregnant with her baby, if the embryo or the, or the fetus is exposed too long to testosterone, that the clitoris can overgrow. I remember learning that. Um, so I, I think I would have to agree with what you're saying, what these myths are, these tales and, and things that people pass on to women <sighs> to disenchant us. I'm sorry, as you were saying. Yeah, so that is true. But those babies, they don't get born with overgrown labia minora. In fact, a lot of times they have almost no labia minora. I've actually seen in treatment mm -hmm. for um, 
intersex babies um, with congenital adrenal hyperplasia, they will sometimes construct labia minora because they don't really have them. Yeah. Um, this is not something I'm an expert on and I'm generally in favor of just leaving them alone. You know, I'm against a lot of these intersex surgeries, but. It, yeah, your body is your body. Yeah. And I think there should be a more acceptance of all different types of bodies. Exactly. Um, but at 17, I was very hard on myself and I felt like I had to be beautiful and I had to meet all the beauty standards. And there I was reading about how apparently, allegedly, I had something really embarrassing going on down there. And I felt mortified and ashamed. And I thought that I needed surgery based on what I read. Um, and I read the peer-reviewed literature on labiaplasty, peer-reviewed medical literature. And based on that, I thought I had a problem. I thought it needed to be fixed. And I thought that it would be safe and that there were no risks to sexual function. Mm. And so I consented to an excision of redundant labia minora. My father, who is a plastic surgeon, chose my surgeon. Uh, my surgeon was an extremely reputable OBGYN recommended by the head of the OBGYN department. Um, he completely amputated my labia minora, and he did a clitoral hood reduction without my consent, mm. and he damaged the nerves of my clitoris. Wow. And in the years after that, um, when I was seeing other doctors, I was told that I just needed to relax, that my surgery could not have affected my sexual function, that I just needed to fall in love. Because, um, well, so they were telling you this because you were explaining to them that you're not able to achieve orgasm. Is, is that correct? You weren't able to? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I lost a lot of sensation. Um, I have no sensation at all in the glands of the clitoris, which is normally the most sensitive. Mm -hmm. And this was very traumatic for me. And I had to understand how this could happen. I had to understand like the how and the why. And so, and I also had to explain it. And so, because I knew that I wasn't crazy. And so I really dug into the medical literature and I taught myself the anatomy. Um, and I realized that a lot of doctors were not getting taught. And so that's why I do what I do. As far as getting textbooks changed and publishing the anatomy, because I want to get that information out there. Wow. So at the age of 17, you were examining your vulva. And um, you had concerns about the way your inner and outer lips appeared, M mainly your inner lips, your labia minora. Mm -hmm. And you felt that you, um, it should look differently. I, I, I suppose your labia minora were extending past your labia majora. Yeah, and that's totally normal. In fact, 43% of women have labia minora that stick out past their labia majora. Okay. And so, and you said your dad is a plastic surgeon. Is he still practicing, by the way? Yes. Okay. So your father is a plastic surgeon. So you went to him and um, expressed your concerns and he referred you to the top OB-GYN, obstetrician gynecologist at the hospital who then proceeded to, so question for you, did he, did that gynecologist, did he sit with you, examine you? and show you the different parts of your vulva? Did he talk to you about the different parts and how it's normal for your inner lips to extend so he did say, lips? He did say, you know you're normal, right? And the problem is I had already read that it was recommended for OBGYNs to tell all patients that they were normal regardless of whether they were unusual or not. So it wasn't, that wasn't meaningful for me. Otherwise, all he said was, you talk to your dad about this, right? And so I said I had. And I also remember asking him what the labia minora were for. 
Mm-hmm. And he shrugged. He shrugged, you said? So that should have been the biggest red flag. And I should have known to just walk out of his office. But at that time, based on everything I had read, the labia minora were just extra skin. Gotcha. Yeah, you know, I, and I don't expect someone at the age of 17, 18, as, even as well-read as you seem to be, I don't expect that you would know, really. Yeah, I was sort of clueless. Situation. Yeah, most 17, 18-year-olds are clueless. Yeah, and when I said I read the medical literature, I really just sort of skimmed it, you know. Right, right, yeah. Got I, it. Did, I wasn't very careful. You know, I never actually found my clitoris, which is pathetic. I gave up. I read somewhere that some women's clitorises are buried, and so I figured mine was buried. <laughs> you mentioned that the other night. So here I have a follow-up question to that. So... Did you think by excising that extra skin on from your inner lips that it would make it easier for you to find your, your clitoris? No, I definitely didn't think that much about it. <laughs> oh, so you really, at that age, you were unaware of the importance of the clitoris. Yeah, I didn't understand sexually. how important the clitoris was. And I was generally confused because I remember thinking that I did have sensation in my labia minora, but I read online that they did not play any role in sexual function. Like I read on this website called labiaplasticsurgeon.com that the labia minora don't play a role in sexual function. To this day, it still says that. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and I can speak personally. Of course they do. <laughs> for you and for your partner. And it's how I trust it. You know, on that website, they say that everything they write has been approved by doctors. And I just took everything that was supposedly approved by doctors as authoritative. And I remember sitting there like pinching my labia menorah, like trying to trying to figure out if they were sensitive or not. If if it felt nice to you. (laughs) So let's, let's stay on this path right here. I didn't want to, I didn't want to do this the, the other night because, you know, we were on video but I have questions. We're hiding behind the camera now. So at age 17, 18, had you touched yourself? Um, so this is sort of a long story, but I had unfortunately been sent away to this kind of messed up boarding school that I won't get into too much. But what they told us was an all girls boarding school. And what they told us was masturbating was acting as a sin. They said it was acting out a sex addiction. And if girls were caught masturbating, oh my gosh, they would get basically shamed in front of the group. <laughs> so they guys, do you hear this? The the <laughs> the lengths that people go to to control someone's behaviors and thinking, and man, that's I mean, I traumatizing it's itself. Messaging that's that extreme, but I remember, like, I remember starting to touch myself and then just being like, "Stop it." <laughs> like don't do that that's gross you know I I didn't really yeah I guess um I didn't grow up with around much sex positivity how old were you when you were in that boarding school I was 15 and um so by the time you were 17 and you were examining yourself were you still in the boarding school or were you out of the boarding school no I was out of the boarding school had Um, you touched yourself I had a little, but not, what I was trying to say is those messages kind of stayed with me. And so I really didn't explore. I didn't really. That's what it sounded like. Masturbating was okay. I sort of thought that masturbating was. You were ashamed. Yeah. They shamed you from exploring your body. So allow me to interject here to the listeners. Allow your children to explore themselves respectfully, obviously, talk to your children about their bodies. Talk to them because if you don't, then they'll grow up not knowing and researching and looking in other places for information. You have to tell them what they possess, what they have. So you didn't touch yourself until 17 or so, and you really didn't explore yourself. You didn't. crazy, but I think by the time I was 17, you know, I... I had boyfriends and I was fooling around, but I think one issue was I didn't know how to get turned on by myself. (laughs) I think I didn't really, um, 
Like I do remember there were a couple times where I would start to touch myself and then I'd be like, no, that's weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I did have a little bit of experience getting touched by guys and I didn't know what they were doing. I was just like, oh my, this is magical. But I didn't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. I had no clue what was going on or how or why. And Do you recall if any of them actually touched your clitoris? Um, you know, I, they would just rub around the outside. And okay. it was my understanding of what they were doing was very vague. Gotcha. Was it a, do you recall it being a positive sensation rubbing the external area? Yes. Okay. And so that, that was what I lost with my surgery. So you Uh, noticed the difference after the surgery comparing post-surgery when someone touched you externally in comparison to prior to your surgery, you noticed the difference in your sensation. Yes but I didn't really understand how significant it was. And part of the problem was I blamed myself for having the surgery and I thought I really needed it. And I really thought that, you know, real true orgasms came from the vagina and that I would find out about those when I started having sex. So I was still a virgin at that time, and I didn't understand that it's the clitoris that is the primary somatosensory organ of female sexual response, not the vagina. Exactly. The vagina is really just the cavity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some people think that all orgasms are clitoral orgasms, um, even ones that are more internal. Um, yeah, so basically it's the clitoris, not the vagina that women get orgasms from. Okay, so let's see. We're at the point of it's, you're, it's after the surgery, you're exploring yourself, you're, you have boyfriends, and um, they're also exploring your body. And did you notice, without prying too much into your personal life, um, were you able to have an orgasm, let's say, by the time you were 20 or 21? I was 21 by the time I had my first orgasm. And it was because a boyfriend of mine got me to get a vibrator. Mm-hmm. And that's what made it so I could finally have an orgasm. Okay. So the orgasm wasn't because of his touching you or um, from his body rubbing on yours during intercourse, but more so because of the introducing the vibrator to your session. It's really hard for me to feel much of anything without a vibrator. Um, So that's, yeah. (laughs) Well, in all fairness, I'll share this with you. There are plenty of women who have never had surgery to the vaginas and cannot climax without a vibrator being a part of their session. Yeah, sometimes I do wonder why that is. Um, like, you know, this is TMI. <laughs> Nothing's TMI on this podcast. Well, one, time, <laughs> okay, one time I did experiment with another woman who has that issue, or I think it was not all the time, but it seemed like it was very difficult for her to orgasm without a vibrator, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't because of lack of sensitivity. Like she was very sensitive, but for some reason she would still need a vibrator. It was easier for her to orgasm with a vibrator. And versus what? So as women, what were you doing to, uh uh-huh. I mean, part of the problem is I'm not really into women. I was just sort of, (laughs) experimenting. (laughs) it was just an experiment. I'm like, this is pretty much how I figured out. Right. And this is why I want to tease this out. So yeah. So you, (laughs) so it's awkward for me because I'm not really, you know, but. Gotcha. Gotcha. Were you touching her or were you? Were you touching her or were you performing conolingus on her and she could not orgasm? I did did both. And I got kind of annoyed that she didn't. I kind of relate to men and their frustration. (laughs) 
and their egos, you know? <laughs> like, like, I really wanted that validation. But <laughs> Maybe you just weren't good at what you were doing, which is why you're not into women. Maybe not. It was my first time. <laughs> yeah. So, you know? But I think I'm just not, uh, you know, it was, um, anyway, that's, it's a long story. It was like a, a random thing. It was like a double date that turned into an experimental thing. It, <laughs> so you guys were on a double date, which she was with a guy, you were with a guy. Yeah. And then we all ended up fooling around. <laughs> Did the guys fool around with one another? Did the guys fool around with each other and you guys fooled around with each other or did they watch? No, they, they just watched. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, so you guys had an orgy. That's called an orgy. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's called a foursome. I think you need more than four people for an orgy. And yeah, okay. An orgy is more than four. Let's look it up. Let me see. Yeah, a foursome. That's correct. But what is an orgy? That's a good, I never knew. What is an orgy? I didn't know that. Oh, it's not coming up. Am I spelling it correctly? A wild party, especially one involving excessive drinking and unrestrained sexual activity. <laughs> I don't know. It that. says a group of more than four people. You are absolutely correct, Miss Jessica Penn. <laughs> okay. So we got the definition of orgy, guys. Got it more than four people okay so all righty where are we in your story oh so you finally achieved orgasm by the time at the age of 21 basically because of introducing a vibrator which what do you think i have my my viewpoint on as to why you were able to achieve climax with the vibrator um i think, think? my opinion is because I lost a lot of sensitivity for my surgery, but I still have sensitivity at the base of the clitoral body, basically at the top of the clitoral hood. And so where I stimulate, I mean TMI, but where I stimulate myself is not where like most women would. Like most women have the most sensitivity at the glands and I I don't. So I have, but I still have sensitivity at the top. Okay. So basically you needed something more intense to stimulate those nerves that, that are sort of a little yeah, I think that's deeper it. beneath the surface. They're actually, they're not very deep. Sorry, I'm not trying to, um, I don't know. Express yourself. That's one thing that um, I have been trying really hard to clarify and that we try to describe well in our study is how mm -hmm. the nerves in the clitoris are pretty much right under the clitoral hood. And so, but I guess what matters is where the nerve endings are. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because they can't start and stop. They don't start and stop in the same area superficially right at the top. There is the quite tissue. a lot of branching. Right. Most, the nerves, like the most nerve endings are in the glands. So the nerves are still quite large um, towards the end where they branch off into the glands. In my study, they were um, about two millimeters in diameter at that point. They're really ridiculously big considering the size mm -hmm. of the clitoris. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And so I said what I said about your nerves because you were only able to achieve the orgasm with the vibrator. Uh, yeah. So basically I can't feel beyond where my nerves are injured. I guess that's all. Right. Okay. I still have some sensation. So you've been on this journey uh, advocating for women's empowerment, basically, uh, encouraging women not to shame their bodies, not to be ashamed of how their, uh, their labia appear, educating women and men, and men, because I'm sure men are, are also finding out some information for the first time ever in their lives regarding the vulva. So, um, oh, yeah, it's actually. <laughs> The one thing that's so, so important is for men to know 
that labia minora come in all shapes and sizes and that women can get really insecure and to please appreciate all different types of vulvas and do not engage in spreading any kind of myths about women with large labia minora being more promiscuous or anything like that because those are crazy they're not true right um also don't call them roast beef even in a positive even in a positive way like some guys will say i love arby's and they think they're being funny oh my gosh i've never heard that that's what they say like they they compare Mm. labia minora that are, are larger maybe a little darker to roast beef and this makes women feel insecure um, one thing that women should know is just because they're saying that doesn't mean they mean anything negative because some of these guys will say they love roast beef, but it still just comes off in a crude way <laughs> that m- can make women feel insecure because we want to feel like we're beautiful and like they're like flower petals, not like yeah. roast beef. <laughs> yeah, don't compare us to roast beef. Please don't. <laughs> And, and I, I'd also like to add something. I've heard men talk about being pleasured by women who have enlarged labia. For a lot of men, it's pleasing to them when they are inserting uh, and withdrawing their penis to feel the lady's labia, the woman's labia, touching their penis. So that can be um, something that's exciting for a man when he is having sex with a woman, when they're having intercourse, is being able to fill her skin, her labia, her uh, labia majora, the menorah, uh, and especially if she's properly lubricated. Obviously, it works best that way. Yeah, so one thing that I see um, in literature on labiaplasty is they talk about how larger labia minora cause problems with pulling during sex. And it just makes me cringe because I think that what's going on is just ridiculous. I can't believe that crap is in a medical textbook or a medical journal. That is just ridiculous. When I was 17, I believed, I was like, oh no, sex is going to change me unless I get this fixed. Wow. Um, But I think what's probably happening in a lot of these cases is maybe women just aren't getting adequately lubricated. Exactly. It shouldn't be a problem. Right. And having a little little extra tension going in and out. It it would not be a problem if you're properly, yeah, if you're properly lubricated, you're excited. If you can't achieve wetness on your own or naturally, there are plenty of things that you can use that are safe. You know, of course, people have heard of KY and some of these other oils, but coconut oil is also is safe and doesn't typically uh, lead to yeast infections and bacterial vaginosis or bacterial infections. So uh, women, ladies, there, there are options out there to help with lubrication. So if you're someone who has excess tissue or believe you have too much tissue on your labia minora, your inner lips, um, you can work around that. It doesn't have to be painful. Oh, yeah. Another thing is, and I don't want to make anyone with small labia minora feel bad because there's definitely nothing wrong with that either. But there was one study that found that women who rated their labia minora as large also rated them as more sensitive. So Mm. it's, yeah. I bet my listeners are wondering what my labia looks like. I'm not saying... (laughs) Um, there definitely does seem to be variation in how much sensitivity different women have or in how aware they are of yeah. the sensitivity of the labia minora, but they are functional and they do help protect the vagina, which is one big thing. Like they're supposed mm-hmm. to be there. Yeah. The, yeah. They're, they have a function just like everything on our bodies there. There's a reason why they exist. So it's your, it has to cover your, your vagina. It covers your orifice, your vaginal opening and your urethral opening. Because remember guys, the area where we urinate or women urinate from a urethral opening, that's enclosed inside of those labia minora. So these tissue, the lips, they provide protection 
for the for areas of the vulva for the vagina so they're meant to be there and they do they they have a lot of sensitivity um <laughs> oh i just had a flashback <laughs> <laughs> yeah so you know if you haven't <clears throat> if you're listening to this and you've never touched yourself if you're a young woman um, or you're a guy, you're listening to get familiar with a woman's anatomy. Every part of our body is sensitive. You know, our our skin, the biggest organ on your on both male and female's body is your skin. So our skin is sensitive all over, as it is for men, right? So you just have to learn your partner and determine what their erogenous zones, where they're located. And obviously, once you get closer to the secret hideaway, the vulva area, the inner thighs is just like with a guy, his inner thighs are sensitive as well. A lady's inner thighs are sensitive as well. So you have to learn your partner's body and, um, and explore. Try touching, touching your partner's body, learn your partner's body. Don't go straight for sticking your penis into her vagina. You know, slow down a little bit and learn her body and see what turns her on, see what she likes and allow her to do that to you as well. So most women don't orgasm from vaginal penetration alone. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of women have to have stimulation of their clitoris and that can come in many different ways. It could be her hand, his hand, could be his body rubbing against her clitoris during sex could be a vibrator that she has on her clitoris there are a lot of different ways ladies so if you've never had an orgasm do you have any advice for for women who've never achieved an orgasm or climax jessica um to just stick with it <laughs> <laughs> just like stick don't with give it. up ever you know yeah i mean i think like for me it was hard like i when I first used a vibrator, I was like, like it felt weird and I didn't think that it worked. And then I, I actually ended up getting three and back to back or separated. I mean, I, I bought three different vibrators around. Oh, I thought you, <laughs> I thought you meant you end up, you got three orgasms. Like decided that I was going to figure it out. Right. And gotcha. I stuck with it. Um, and you know, I didn't, I think it's really important to like not judge yourself and not put pressure on yourself and just mm -hmm. approach it like solving a problem. Like for me, so I'm kind of the way I, I tend to think like an engineer. So <laughs> I just approach things as like, how do I solve this? <laughs> you know, and without any like, oh, what's wrong with me? Like, don't even think about that. Right. Um, don't like, don't judge yourself. Like, don't think about how much time it's taking. Mm -hmm. Don't like just think like how can i get the most out of this situation you know mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. and know that you deserve it i know some women get afraid of letting go i think um i guess different people have different bar barriers but it's like i guess just know that you know how whatever you need is okay and you know you deserve it <laughs> I don't, I don't know what else to say, but no, they should, they should remain tenacious. Don't stop. <laughs> Continuously try, try different vibrators and toys because they make all different sorts of uh, toys and vibrators and there's all kinds of stuff out there. So, and learn your body and don't be ashamed. You deserve it, ladies. If you've ever felt an orgasm, it is the most pleasurable thing ever. What would you describe an orgasm as? What does an orgasm feel like to you, Jessica? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I asked that one day on my Instagram, <laughs> an orgasm feels like, and uh, there were so many different responses. It's, it's very hard to describe. I remember when I was um, in my late teens and I asked a friend who was sexually active, what does an orgasm feel like? I just wanted to know because I wasn't sexually active and she seemed to enjoy it. So I said, like, well, what does it feel like? She had a boyfriend and they were sexually active. And she was like, I can't explain it. It's the best thing in, in the world. <laughs> That's what she told me. So it's a conversation I'll never forget. 
And the first time I experienced my first orgasm, I was like, oh, this is what she means. It's, you can't explain it. Yeah, it's hard to explain. Um, I don't think there's anything that feels like an orgasm. I do think it's important to bring up how it's accompanied by a series of involuntary contractions. <laughs> but that's the whole thing. Like, mm-hmm, okay. mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's important. <laughs> And actually, it can make it feel better when you contract your, the muscles in your pelvic floor. When you Kegel, that helps to make it more intense. And when you do that on a regular basis, ladies, and I teach this to some of my patients who have never achieved orgasm, to try to strengthen the muscles in their pelvic floor to help with, it's basically a way to, um, to help during foreplay, but also to turn yourself on, even if your partner's not there because it, um, it helps in stimulating that area. Um, so all of those, those uh, the, the different areas of the vulva are very sensitive. And so when you're Kegeling and you're contracting the muscles in the pelvic floor, you provide some stimulation to the vaginal orifice or the opening. And so, and that's where most of that sensation is felt is down there, not necessarily in your clitoris, but you can feel it a little on your clit too, because if you're contracting well enough, your clitoris might move a little or sway a little. And it's all, I'm going into too much detail, but <laughs> yes. So those contractions really help to intensify the sensation. Well, guys, if you want to hear additional information, we talked about um, the mental health uh, consequences of uh, what happened with Ms. Penn. If you want to hear about that, please watch the video the live from Thursday night. It's on my YouTube channel, Dr. Delvina Thomas. And it's also on my Facebook page at Dr. Delvina, which is D-R-D-E-L-V-E-N-A. So Ms. Penn, what are, what are some of your last words? What would you like to leave the listeners with? Um, I guess just love yourselves and also i i tend to want women to know that they need to be extremely careful when getting any kind of vulvar procedure because a lot of doctors who treat and operate on vulvas don't know the anatomy very well um so that's just something to be aware of and to look out for and um definitely avoid having cosmetic surgery down there. It's not like having, it's not like getting a boob job or a breast reduction or a nose job. Leave that area alone. Leave it alone. Um, it's kind of disturbing for those other cosmetic surgeries. There are more training standards. Um, you know, like if you're a board certified plastic surgeon, there are minimum procedure numbers for all of those different procedures and do them in your residency and you're trained in detailed anatomy for those procedures and it's just much more standardized and so by the time you're operating on someone you cannot get privileges to do those surgery you cannot get permission to do those surgeries at a surgery center unless you can show that you've been trained Mm -hmm. that is not the case with female genital cosmetic surgery ouch also neither plastic surgeons nor OBGYNs are taught very in-depth anatomy and residency. Um, That's why I've been trying so hard to get it taught. Gotcha. Well, thank you for advocating on behalf of all women. Okay, thank you. We appreciate your work and what you're doing. So thank you for joining me on the couch again. I appreciate your... (laughs) your participation and sharing your, your very personal story. So hopefully someone or some people listening will um, feel relief from hearing this and, um, and understand that however you look inside of your pants or your slacks or underneath your skirt, that is how you are meant to look. Don't take a chance and try to change your anatomy. Your anatomy is, is your anatomy. It's, it's what it's supposed to be. So if your inner lips are longer or extend beyond your, your outer lips, 
your labia majora, so be it. Yeah, plus there's nothing ugly about it. It's not actually considered less attractive. Yeah, I, I mean, if you ask me, a penis and vaginas are not necessarily the most attractive things anyhow. I mean, you know, just in general. <laughs> so I don't know how anyone looks at themselves and, and finds themselves to be unattractive. So I think what you're doing, doing cosmetic surgery on penises. <laughs> right. Yeah. Point taken. Point taken. Well, so I'll say this, uh, the circumcise, the circumcisions. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's something that happens. And so men who are advocates against circumcisions, they talk about the sensitivity of that skin and how it's important to have to leave it there. So if I were to liken anything to this discussion about about women, I guess we could sort of say that's similar somewhat. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I am against circumcision, but I do get annoyed with the anti-circumcision activists showing up like and responding to all of my tweets asking what about men what about men (laughs) (laughs) well and you know what you said the other night that um there's more information about penises in textbooks and medical literature than there is about the vulva yeah so I haven't done any word counts for vulva versus penis, but for clitoris versus penis, it's a, well, for penis versus clitoris, it's about 50 to one. Wow. Mm-mm-mm. All righty. Okay. So y'all, thanks for joining me on the couch for another Brain Love podcast episode. I hope this has been helpful for you guys. It's the end of an episode. Thank you guys for joining me on my couch. It's been a pleasure. It's Dr. Delvina. Remember, every day you must have brain love. Balance. You can't have all work and no play, and you can't have all play and no work. Reframe. Reframe your negative thinking. Think positively. Avoid negative people. Inside, everything you need It's inside of you. Look inside yourself. Needs. Know your needs. Your needs come first, not everyone else's. Limitations. Limit your expectations of yourself. Ownership. Own your mistakes. Learn from them and move on. Vengeance is not yours. It's the Lord's. Express yourself. Every day, meaningful communication. Don't go to bed angry. And that's been my show, guys. Brain love. Mm